Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. Today we've got on tap for you an episode that we've recorded quite some time ago uh, on our old equipment, and we've just been looking for a good time to have that be released. Now is it. Pulling out some movie reviews of some films that have been out for quite some time now, um, but kind of fall in the line with some movies that are going to be coming out this spring. So without further ado, enjoy the review. This is your host, Ken Seymour, and your other host, Richard Geiger. Meow. We are coming to you today from the fabulous and illustrious portion of my office that is off of my main dining room. It's <laughs> real and spectacular. Absolutely. You know, that many celebrities have, have come here and expressed to me how how they wish that their mansions looked much more like my small house and it's only 10 30 at night it's not 11 so we've started <laughs> just a little bit earlier than some of the other ones that's right so we can get things going but what brings us together today what exciting thing are we going to uh, bring to our hopefully growing and 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 wonderful listening audience richard um movies and stuff Movies and stuff, absolutely. Yeah. You you get you get a gold sticker. Um, the uh, movie in question, we have both just recently gotten back from watching Black Panther, and mm -hmm. we are uh, uh, semi debuting our our new method of deconstructing and rating the movies in as arbitrarily and unscientifically a fair process as possible. <laughs> yes, you know, biased on our own ways. In our own ways and broken down absolutely no reason, but with absolute direction and reason. Absolutely. So it, yeah, it's great. I, th I think I think it'll be fun, and, and uh, I think it'll, uh, at least in our own minds, help us uh, categorize exactly how much more we might like one movie than another. Just mm -hmm. nothing else. Absolutely. Um, so hopefully uh, everybody in our listening audience has already seen Black Panther, at least for the sake of the fact that we will most likely be having spoilers throughout the conversation as always. So spoiler warning ahead. Um, and maybe we never know, like the movie is already out on Blu-ray. It's already out on <laughs> digital copy before there's even anybody can listen to it. So it's, Shouldn't be spoilers, let's put it that way. Probably not going to be an issue. But uh, So we're going to have a 100-point scale. We're going to break everything down by cast, by director, by costume and props, location, cinematography, plot and writing, and anything else we decide to throw in that we conveniently forgot in, in making of notes. But uh, let's, uh, let's start with, let's start with the, the simple, simple stuff, and uh, let's go costume and props. And I want to get... <clears throat> your thoughts Richard on, on this what did you think of the of the costuming and and the uh, and the prop usage in the movie I I thought that that stuff was pretty good actually um, I, I tried to read a few bits and pieces none of it 100% factual of course but um, the first thing is the budget on this movie was 200 million dollars so they had money to burn on stuff now i think a lot of that of course went to the actors and to the, the the cgi and that type of stuff but they had money to, what i'm saying is they have put money to put into the other stuff like the props and the money to put into the costumes 
if you notice a lot of the tribes had how they were broken down and their their i guess continuity between each of the different tribes that were in there had to be had to be shown or had to be at least visualized on screen and that i thought that part was solid like you knew that these folks were in their own um tribe or in their own similar geographic location exactly so you knew what their allegiances were and that 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 was huge but there were certain instances where allegiances came into play certainly more visual cues uh than you would see say out of the harry potter franchise where you're breaking down the houses and really all you're looking at is a different patch and a different uh and a a different scarf potentially that everybody has yeah yeah. Um, did anything stand out to you that you thought just was either particularly amazing or you got thought everything was great and maybe this one thing just kind of felt just a little short no i like the colors uh i thought there was lots of good colors in the in the movie and then the one uh, i'm awful with names anyway but the one tribe that used their Oh, they they almost look like a blanket to me, but it was like what their their elongated scarfs almost were, Mm. a cloak. I don't know what you'd call them, a a garb of some sort. Had lots of color, and they turned into shields, like those type of things. Yeah, that was that was rather nifty the way that that was. I like I like those. Um, I have no backstory or history or anything on Black Panther the comic book, other than watching shows on disney xd and knowing how they represented that character and his homeland on that cartoon which is an awesome cartoon by the way so there's a couple different variants of it the best one is um earth's mightiest heroes Mm. if you haven't got a chance to watch those seasons that's great but my only knowledge really of that character is that and then going online and reading a few bits and pieces of stuff so when i see how those things are interpreted on there. I was like, oh, well, that, you know, like uh, the guard, the royal guard, yeah, that kind of how they had it in- interpreted everything that I've ever seen before. So I think they translated what the basics they could and then took a lot of liberties on their own for a lot of the other stuff too. Well, I've been reading the uh, comics for years and um, I don't envy any director or any writer the job that they have to put together to try and translate this up to the to the movie medium because it's not just a matter of even trying to get the the feel of it right and reinterpret it in a way that it can be consumed by the media but there are so many different interpretations of the character through years through different resets and and changes in in tone over the years and as they got better at writing stories and uh, about the character i mean because clearly i mean when you start out in the 60s in the late 60s when or i guess mid to late 60s when the when the character first hit print um it's not going to have that same depth they go oh well we would like to have an african-american hero and since he's african-american he probably comes Oh, let's have him be royalty from from that. Uh, You know, some kind of very simplistic interpretation of it through the early points until it finally becomes fleshed out and real and a relatable character and presented the way that it really should be later, later. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been around for a long, a long time in comic book land, let's call it. Mm -hmm. And his, like the actual Black Panther character was generated and debuted before the Black Panther Party uh, 
became into prominence. They tried to change the name, if I understand right. They changed it for a little bit to like Black Leopard, and it didn't really pan out so good. So then they changed it back and just stuck with Black Panther. But that's really from like the way back. That's well, it's it's the all I've really same know. thing that you're going to run into constantly when you come up with something that's based off of a, a common uh, a common word used for something. To my understanding, that's not even entirely accurate of the description of the cat in the first place. But yeah, it's a it is a genetic defect, and they actually have spots on them. You just can't see them yeah. because of the pigmentation. But I mean, it it still became iconic enough, and it's a much more powerful name. It's, it's a way to do it. I loved the costuming. I mean, it, it had my my understanding of of uh, African. Uh, history is limited. I mean, I've, I've had some some experience and some looking into it. And so on occasion, I could go, oh, I, I see where they got that, or I see exactly what uh, what they're trying to reflect in this particular bit of clothing or whatever. But, you know, in some instances, I'm going to com- be completely am- uh, unable to, to see where things come with. And I think they're kind of depending upon that to a certain extent for the, for the viewer, just because it's not so much intended to be an educational thing as it is just here's, here's a, a basic smorgasbord of some of the more, some of the more beautiful and, and uh, intriguing looks and feels that come from Africa. And, and it, and it's, realistically i think portrayed as if you go to uh, places in the african continent in general there's not a lot of technology there's not a lot of stuff there but what if right in the middle of all that stuff that there wasn't a lot of technology um just just a lot of tribes and farming and you know sustaining your life but right in the middle of that was just like the most technologically advanced society what would it be like and this is because it, it brings in all the other past cultures, but it's sure. interpreted in a more modern way. If I had a problem, the only thing that I saw that was a little, that threw me off just a smidge, is just thinking about history and how, and how our way of dress and our way of interaction has changed over the years, whether you're talking about uh, European advancements or whether you're talking about uh, Eastern advancements, it seems very seems very apparent that you know as you advance your method of, of uh, interacting with people on a visual level changes as well as your technology advances as your society advances. <clears throat> and I understand that Wakanda in a certain extent in in the comics and in the movie is presented to be somewhat isolationist just to the due to the very unique position that they're in. Even in something that like, like that that's going to be somewhat isolationist, I don't see those bits of clothing staying static. And it and it feels like it, it's it, just a little bit that it's well here's what things looked like and they kept it out of tradition because tradition is very important except when it comes to technology and it, it just doesn't quite mesh well they carried on the mod like the, the what the world would think would be the modern look for things because when they went into the outside world they are all wearing you know 
normal suits and ties and absolutely normal dress and stuff like that. So like, I think they they did it they they kept the attire appropriate when they needed to, but then they kept it kind of more traditional when they were in their own world with their own stuff. And actually, I, I even read too that a lot of the characters, a lot of the people in Wakanda, if you look, a lot of them actually aren't even wearing shoes. So, like, they really yeah. kept it, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you, what you'd call it traditional, but interest, interesting. Th- thematic. Thematic, maybe. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and, and that's great. It's great for conveying uh, a feeling, and it's great for for a consistency of image, but it breaks down to me in a little bit and pulls me just a little bit out of the the narrative and the plot and that uh, I just keep in my mind going, I don't think that's quite how it would be. But it's a tiny, tiny, tiny thing. So yeah. I can't I can't I can't say too much about that. But the colors were vibrant and uh and uh everybody was able to wear the clothing and not look ridiculous in the process of doing so as i have a funny feeling that if i were to put down a a 12th uh, put on a 12th century suit that i would look and feel just absolutely ridiculous and you know for how whether it's just the the massive quality of their department that did the costuming or whether uh, training and 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 how to wear that sort of a thing or just direction or combination they they looked comfortable and they they looked just spot on i thought mm-hmm. and when they were in uh, uh california which is actually oakland if i'm not mistaken well where they filmed it was in oakland they were you know normal modern stuff then too so. yeah so okay so out of 10 out of 10 what would you probably give the uh the costumes and props and so the the props you're also talking about like the, the the swords and the Absolutely. weapons that the people used and the prosthetic for claw and that type of stuff anything that's not CGI generated that that just lends a certain amount of uh, certain amount of, um, of feeling to it like the uh, the shield and, and spear uh, from the uh, from the duel both uh, in the early and late part of the film looked fantastic mm-hmm. um, very um just very not only very appropriate but it just looked not functional i'm always afraid when i look at some of these uh these props that's just going to feel flimsy and mm. when i look at it but no it all it all looked good everything looked useful uh, whether from a practical standpoint or from um some some sort of social function it just looked good yeah yeah i'll go with um hmm. and we're doing this out of 10 mm-hmm I'll probably give it a nine. I think I would have to agree with that. I'm uh, not not perfect, but darn nearly so. Well, let's uh, let's go to uh, something that kind of blends into that, and that's the the location. I mean, they they filmed in multiple locations, and I'm I'm thinking about less about the actual real locations that they they filmed in rather than the presentation of those locations on film itself. So. In the in the film, they're in what, New York and uh, South Korea, and of course Wakanda. Um, you know, so they're they're out and about and presenting these starkly different environments. What did you think about their location choices for the plot of the movie? 
Well, you're right. So there was... The majority of it was in Wakanda. Hmm. Small bits of it in... Now, now, was it New York? Is that where they were at? I thought it was like Brooklyn or the Bronx or something. Okay. I could have sworn. Because the, in, in the uh, comic book, didn't... Uh, didn't Killmonger go to school in New York? Like that's where he went to college at. Like he went to like in uh, New York, in uh, NY, NYU. I don't remember where he went. I thought I thought he went to school there. <clears throat> I guess I never really. I thought it was California. Why am I thinking that it was California? But that was it? anyway. Yeah, you may be completely right. But uh, I, there they weren't there that much. So what you saw of that was like the outside of a building and a basketball court that had a, a crate for a, a basketball hoop. And like, <laughs> like that that was really all you really saw of that, which was fine. You didn't need a lot of that. When they were in uh, Korea, It w- you really didn't see a lot of that too. You're in one place and then there was a, a road, basically a, a car chase for a while. But that stuff was good. Lots of colors there. Not a lot of interpretation that can be done or not be done when it comes to that they're in the interrogation place for a, a, a little bit you know like bits and pieces of places but the majority of it was wakanda and like different places like in the in the mine in wakanda and all that stuff was fine i didn't really have an issue with it. really much of that and how it was actually presented um they said they took some inspiration from that mine uh, there's a there's a there's an actual real mine in Africa somewhere that is very very similar to that where and maybe the Congo, where you, they mine material and you can only get it in that country in in Africa. You can't get it anywhere else in the world, but they use it a lot for modern electronics. And they said that the mine that they presented in Wakanda was very similar to how that mine looked. I was like, that's cool. They had some representation of it at least. They had an idea of it. Yeah, and uh, and you're right. Uh, with most of it being in Wakanda, as it really should be set in that way, I mean, it's going to have some um, unifying elements. I I thought that uh, it was a little well. It had a Bond feel in some of the the globe trotting aspects of it that I kind of really liked. Being able to see, I mean, they did have a portion of it that's intended to be in uh, in um, in the United Kingdom in that uh, one museum for a short that's period. That's right, yep. Um, and uh, I still, unfortunately, have not seen whether it's supposed to have been in, uh, <laughs> whether it's supposed to have been in New York or whether it's supposed to have been in Oakland. But truthfully, just call it insert American city here. Yeah. With, yeah. with with urban urbanized area um, I thought that the uh, the locations were chosen fairly well I uh, it was a little it was a little jarring moving from one scene to the next when you change locations but I again I think it needed to be because it, it it was meant to show the stark difference between you know the world mm. at large and, yeah, and yeah. the way Wakanda was. Uh, just uh, just a little bit more. Um, I think uh, I think their their locations uh, 
were done pretty well. I think they maybe spent a little more time in South Korea than they needed to, that, that entire set. I thought the car chase, while fun, was a little bit long. Um, so, I mean, it's it was... But in, in that movie, in the grand scheme of action scenes and sequences... Yeah. There weren't that many of them, Mm-mm. but that was one of one of them. That was their big one of their big set. So I didn't I didn't mind that so much just because it did interject a a little bit of energy to it. So um, this is actually usually pretty easy. The locations uh, for me in my mind to make to make it uh, fit. It's going to be dependent entirely on the genre of movie and what the movie is trying to accomplish. So, I mean, if you're doing a, a heist movie, you only need a couple locations. If we're doing a traveling movie, we need a lot of different locations yeah. and for what this is and establishing not so much origin of the character, but uh, but establishing the, the mythos of the character and, and how it interacts with the world at large. I think it had the right number of locations and chose a nice smattering. Uh, yeah. Uh, Oakland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When when the focus of it really is about one country, but or one really one spot, and it's mm-hmm. not like it's a big country; it's some random little spot. But it had mountains in it. It had you know rivers. It had the mine. It had grassland. So it had a lot of different variants to yeah. that one setting, an urban setting. You know, lots of buildings and give you the chance to not be visually bored. Yeah. Yep. With a lot of, I know sometimes uh, certain filmmakers have this desire to have a, a uniformity to the extent that everything just kind of blurs together and this film definitely doesn't do that no um so for me i think their location choices this is i think going forward is going to be one of the easier tens to get in in the grouping but i'd say it gets a 10 out of 10 for the locations for me i'll go with nine i want to be a stickler when it comes to tens it's like when people do the series oh, i don't give tens to anybody <laughs> Well, this also kind of bleeds into something a little more, a little more um, broad, and it and it definitely deals with the locations, and it deals with the costume and props, and that's more of the cinematography, how they handled filming all of these different things, uh, and and the way that it was kind of cut together and the angles that were used. Uh, what did you feel about the the way that they approached it? Well, I'll, I'll go back to some of the action scenes as well. Um, there weren't that many of those, like like no. we said before, but sometimes those can get caught up in quick cuts and not like not seeing action, but seeing action. You know what I'm saying? Like when Absolutely. people when people are fighting, it's like let me swing this. And I'm gonna cut so that some like so that the people that aren't that good at doing fighting and aren't trained to do fighting appear to be good at doing that stuff. I didn't really get any of that out of this. I, you know, bits and pieces of it when it came to some, some things like, but like the, the main characters, like when they're doing the black Panther fights and the killmonger fights, it's not like, like those were sliced together in crazy hidden ways. Those are, those were good. And when they're doing the car chase and, they're showing different aspects of that. Like, well, some of it is on the road, but then they cut back real quick to Wakanda where she's doing the remote driving, stuff like mm-hmm. that. That stuff was good. I didn't have any problem with any of that. I um, It's funny you bring that particular point up. I 
I get what they were doing with that. And, I, and the concept is really neat. And maybe it's just me as, a, as the type of viewer that I am. I thought they went back and forth in that a little bit too much. I think establishing the fact that she's controlling whatever it is, is enough. Uh, because if you're going to cut back and forth, in my mind, there needs to be a reason that you're cutting back and forth. Like towards the end of the, the movie, in the part where uh, Freeman is uh, in the remote, uh, controlling it uh, to be able to shoot down the the flights that are leaving Wakandan airspace, but he's also directly under attack by somebody that knows that he's there, somebody's there, and is trying to stop them. Okay, that's got some dramatic tension that goes into it. Is he going to be able to finish what he needs to in time before they blow through the glass? That makes a lot of sense. But when they cut back and forth multiple times between uh, Suri and and uh, and uh, being in the fake car and driving, I don't really see that that serves much of a purpose. It served one purpose. People, I'm guessing, liked her character. I liked her character. Oh, I definitely liked her So that just got her just a little bit more of, quote, fun screen time, right? Another way to throw her in for, you know, another couple minutes in there. Yeah, maybe so. I think that it might have been something that could have been used in a slightly different way, but that's just more like that's just taste more than anything else. I also occasionally become mildly annoyed at... uh, some of the tricks that can sometimes be used, but I didn't get annoyed at some of the tricks that I saw in the film. Not as much just because I thought that (laughs) they're they're tricks, but they're really well done tricks. When you say tricks, you're talking about like how they want their technology to work for them or like actual cinematography. I'm talking about cinematography tricks. So um, basic shots that are meant to impress upon the viewer uh, a certain feeling. So if they want oh, you to feel like a, grander, a Michael Bay shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we want to feel grander. Okay, let's do a wide shot, and we're going to make sure that you see the entire horizon. We're going to linger on it, maybe even getting the actor in up somewhere close to where the main part of the camera is, so that you can see him looking into the the, the far ground or the middle ground, the setting sun. And it's like, oh, it's so beautiful, and I just want to be there. And I didn't mind because it was beautiful, and I kind of wanted to be there. And it, it just. Sometimes that bothers me. I don't think they did it in so obvious uh, a way as to kind of hammer it into it. But, you know, it, it, it was enough that I go, oh, yeah, that, I see what they're doing there. And I, I didn't care too much. But uh, um, I didn't think that they, um, like you said, no no real jump cams. That, that uh, they never did the what I often feel is the cardinal sin and, and take it off of the 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 steadying tripods or whatever they want to use so yeah that it's all shaky yeah it drives me crazy on some of those it, it kind of so like when you when we, we talked about this on a, one of our long ago podcasts um like when you watch a clint eastwood movie the heater x the shots are just kind of stationary yeah and they let the scene and the actor tell the story and they don't let the camera try to tell the story yeah and that's that's one extreme, right? Where like a like we saw Michael Bay is another extreme. And I kinda Certainly. thought this was just in in the middle. Like it wasn't so just dull and standard, but it wasn't just outrageous and foolish. I think it was just clean. Sure. Know? 
Well, and one of the things that kind of falls into the cinematography, at least in my mind, is the, the CGI that's going to be inevitably used in any sort of superhero film. And you're talking about Michael Bay and, you know, uh, one of an, an excellent example, somebody that just tends to overuse CGI and overuse explosions and certain just things that have become signature to one of his, one of his films, which if you're just looking to watch things blow up is just fine. Um, but in this movie in particular, there's, there's a clear bit of CGI involved. I mean, uh, you're not going to get some of the environments here and get on its own. You're going to have to create some of this stuff. And, um, well, when you get that budget and you got, is it is it ILM? Do they do all their stuff? I mean, it's a Disney thing. I don't know who does. You have lost track. I'm not even, even entirely sure anymore. Um, but, well, whoever did, I thought did a wonderful job. Yeah, I mean. Um, if I had a bit of a problem, there were only a couple. Um, I thought the rhinos were stupid. Um, sorry. I, I love rhinos. Rhinos are cool animals. And... Yes, cheesy. It, it was it was really cheesy, and I don't the the whole the it seemed like the whole reason they had them was just for the payoff, so that the one would charge. So Oyo is that the character's name? I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, Okoye. Um, yeah, the, would charge, but like would stop because it recognized her. Just just for that. What? Okay, it's it's a neat shtick. Yeah, they foreshadowed that earlier on but then it was like when they he blew his horn and he called for him to come it, it's like there was the look of dread for a second because then they came rushing out of nowhere and there was three of them right yeah, three? yeah, I yeah the, uh, enough of them that i just that was one of the few instances in the movie where i just had an internal groan it's like oh come on yeah but that's not that's not a cinematography thing that's probably one of our other categories. Which well, we'll, it, well, I'm sure it ble- we'll bleeds in over, bleeds over into director a little bit, but and and part of it, part of the cinematography with that is the presentation of those rhinos. Yeah, yeah. which it didn't was look a, great. Didn't look great. No. Yeah, so like that part, I'd have a contention with, for sure. And uh, let's see what I thought that the. Um, I liked the the minute differentiation between the Black Panther outfits that were created, and it's pretty obvious from anybody that is paying attention at all at the beginning of the movie. It's like, oh, a second Black Panther outfit. There's going to be a fight between Black Panthers. It's pretty much no other way it can go down. Yeah, um, and that's fine. Um, however, once it was implemented, at the point of that final showdown between the two of them, it's became a little messy and you got two dudes in nearly identical outfits jumping around and fighting next to a visually loud uh kind of uh, train pathway with lots of lights flashy and this is one of the few instances where they started jerking the camera from point a to point b very quickly and it just made it kind of muddled to me, I agree. Yep. Um, I mean, and it's and it, there was I didn't I didn't really see any way that they were going to get around that because if they didn't fight down there in the dark, that means they're going to have to be out in the light fighting. And I have a funny feeling that two dudes in black suits out in the light fighting would have been muddled in just a completely different way, and it would have been maybe more glaringly obvious that it would have been muddled. But 
I think it would have been much cooler if they could have just done away with the suits because that first fight between them, the, the angle that you got when they're on the falls that they used where you're kind of from the top down, you're seeing it almost the three quarters and you can kind of see just the water going over the edge of the waterfall mm -hmm. as the group of the individuals is kind of slowly advancing to closer and closer, closer and closer. That created more tension than anything they did in that last fight. And I just, it seemed like a kind of a, just a little bit of a letdown in some, and visually. Yeah. And it was also, you know, foreshadowing, going back to it, when they just touched on, uh, Martin Freeman was asking about the trains. And she's like, oh, it's a design that I worked on and it <laughs> nullifies vibranium. You're like, oh, hmm. Sure. When's that going to work? You know, like, so there were, there was, that goes back to storytelling, I guess, but, um, yeah, you can see that stuff. So, well, yeah, and, oh, and oh, just, we'll get to the plot thing, but I just want to put the seed in there so I don't forget about it. Oh, we've got something that nullifies vibranium. This happens not long after the whole thing with uh, Captain America's Civil War, where he was out and about, which means she'd been, this whole thing is established. It's not like they just constructed it in a week. This thing's been there for a while. She had something to nullify it. He knew that Captain America had a vibranium shield and probably thought there might be a chance that I might come into contact with him and have to fight him. Why would you not bring some of that nullifying stuff with you? Your shield means nothing. Just kind of a logical problem I had. Anyway, sorry. I digress. <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm getting away from getting away from the point. But uh, It was new technology since then. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's too big. You'd have to bring a truck with him. That, that's what it takes mm, to neutralize yep. the vibranium. We'll go with that. Um, but If you uh, wear it, it neutralizes your own vibranium. So couldn't wear your suit. So that's what it was. Yep. That's right. Yeah. You just bring extra plant juice. I mean, he'd be fine. Um, so other than that, I, I liked most of the most of the ways that the angles that they took and the way they implemented the CGI was good. I was mildly concerned about Claw's hand because I mean I don't know. Well, you said you've watched the cartoons, which means you've seen how Claw is actually represented in the comic books as compared to how he looks in the movies. Well, the first thing is that his it's not the correct hand. Yeah, yeah, I I can get past that. Anyway, but in in the cartoons he was both. So he was his human form. Absolutely. But then he was then obviously later converted to his pure sound, sound form. Well, and completely neon red, which was pretty funny looking, truthfully. Um, a little bit of purple in there maybe? A little like, bit of purple in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so I was concerned how they were going to handle because you've got to have it. I mean, he's, he's claw. He's got to have well, the claw thing. It's not really a claw, but I liked how they handled the effects for what his hand did in taking the cars apart. It gave that just kind of hint of what his powers from the comics really were and the control of sound and they vibrated the cars apart. And that's kind of awesome. Um, so I thought just a nice visual link there. Um, and, uh, the, uh, I have to, I have to wonder, I, I haven't looked into this. Um, uh, Michael B. Jordan's character, the, the, um, 
scarring. I have to think that that was CGI after the fact, maybe. I don't think so. Do you think that was all practical, I think it was practical makeup? effects? Yep. Oh, that would have been that would have been a little rough to go through every day for for shooting. Yeah. Yep. But man, did it look good. He probably had to do it. I mean, um, I gotta imagine that a lot of the scenes that he had he had clothes on. Yeah. But there was just a few of those shirtless ones and they probably just try to hammer all those scenes out that they could so that he was just doing oh, that for one, a couple weeks maybe yeah. and be done with it. To the makeup to the makeup trailer at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It'll only take a little while. I don't remember reading anything about how long it took him to do it, but I'm sure it was well, for a long time. It's not like putting on Klingon or Ferengi makeup from Star <laughs> oh. Trek. But uh uh still it could not have been fun. Um but okay, so Cinematography, what do you think? This one's out of 20 because it comprises such a big chunk of each and every film, how everything mm. is presented in the CGI. 20, twin, twin. Honestly, on this one, like if it was if it was 10, I'd give it a 9. So I'll give it an 18. 18. I'd probably go a good 17 on mine. Man. But, uh, you know, all in all, very, very solid. Um Okay, so we talked about things bleeding over into kind of the directorial uh, mm-hmm. and the directorial avenue. Now, the director of this film, uh, Ryan Coogler, um, if you look him up on IMDb, not a huge list of he's, he's items. <laughs> he's, he's a pup. Yeah, so, I mean, doesn't appear that he has a, a lot of experience in terms of big-budget movies. In fact, several of his listings were short film, I believe, was... After yeah, it. he's done basically uh, what Creed, yeah, and Fruitvale Station, and that's really about it. Now, I still have yet to see Creed, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I I couldn't tell you um, one thing or another about it. But um, that's just a continuation, of course, of um, the Rocky storyline. And that's really all I got. <laughs> I, well, I, 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 what what more do you need? Rocky pretty much is all you need to sell a ticket. But I heard actually that it was it was well done. But regardless, so yeah. he uh, doesn't have a, a large pedigree coming into this. But you wouldn't know it, uh, I, I don't think, looking at the way the film was put together. Well, and, and that's just the, the thought process that, that I had before was, okay, so you did a couple of these things. He's... Like thirty, he's thirty one, so he's 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 young. He's done the the Fruitvale Station, which I hear is actually pretty good too. Um, Creed, which was really good, and now here's a budget for two hundred million dollars for this movie. Go get him! Like, how does that? How do you like? How does that happen? <laughs> how do you get tapped for that? He he should be thanking uh, Michael B. Jordan because Michael B. Jordan is in every one of his movies, so that's got to be a part of him. He, he, you got to present a good story for sure, but the people around you got to recommend you yeah. and say, "Hey, this this guy's awesome." Or maybe it was the other way around because I'm I mean, it's uh I have to think that they would have gotten the director before they got the actors for for the film. Now, yeah. I haven't done enough research to actually be able to say one way or the other, but I would expect that that would be more important because he is also one of the writers on the film as well. Now that may I don't know how much of the writing he actually did because there were two or three other people that were also uh, listed as writers for the film. But Probably the core writers for the script, and then he gets into it and 
makes a few changes just to comment and gets a writing credit for it. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, point out you can't have both. Can you have both? Can you have a writing credit and directing credit? Uh, he does on. This. Does he have this one? Yeah. What was it? Was it the uh, uh, the uh, we just watched it. I can't think of it. Uh, the movie with all the DC heroes. Um, Justice League. Justice League. Why can't I think <laughs> of just? I can. I, I know I can why. Tell you exactly why we don't think of that. Yes. One. Um, uh, Joss Whedon only got a writing credit for it. He did not get a directing credit for it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that may have just been the way that they put things together. That could be. But so. So the director and the writer have their own vision of how they want everything to be and uh, to coax the, uh, the actors to, to get the performances that they want. Um, so how do you think he did in terms of taking this character and, and the, the storyline and adapting it uh, to something that would not only be appeasing to the average comic book reader that's going to go see the movie but also what was going to be guaranteed to be droves of people that knew nothing about the comic books whether they are coming in because they've watched some of the other marvel movies and have enjoyed them or just because this is the first african-american led hero besides blade besides blade besides meteor man besides yeah but the first, like, not just big budget, but current day Ma- mainstream, would you mainstream, call it? Yep. yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. film. Do you think he made it faithful to both sides? I think he made it so. You're right, so that the comic book folks could at least have their way. The Marvel folks, which aren't necessarily comic book folks, mm. but we're talking about Marvel and the universe that it's in how it would fit into that universe, but then also so that you could get the average people who, maybe just me, I mean, I don't know who, what type of demographic comic book movies are, but I don't think that Black Panther has the typical demographic, which expands your potential for people and viewership and money and stuff to come in. So I I, I think... He did fine in doing all that. But the other thing about that, too, is when you make a good movie, you got to make sure people know that you made a good movie and then you got to market it well. Mm. And I think that was part of it, too. So he I'm sure he doesn't have a lot of control over the marketing. I'd wager it approaches zero. Um, but I think what probably happened is they had like any movie had cuts of this movie. And they had cuts of it that were probably three hours long. Boy, and, I would have liked a three-hour-long version of this movie. And Marvel probably was like Marvel slash Disney's like, nah, you can't do that. But was good at taking the parts and getting it down to the appropriate amount of stuff, doing the few reshoots that were needed to fill in the gaps that were needed. So that I think that's an underestimated part of being a director is working with your editor and working with the people to cut things down and get it to the people that are paying you the money to, to dictate it because you don't always have the freedom to dictate, right? Sure. But then using that information that you got to expand and get the right fit in. So he was good at doing his homework and taking all that input in, I think. 
I think that's probably pretty accurate for the most part. Now, I don't know if this is something that can be laid at his feet or whether it's something to be laid at Marvel's feet, but I know we spoke about this a little bit before we uh, decided to, to do this particular review, but I, I felt I liked the characters and the way they were portrayed, and I felt that I liked several of the um, interpersonal relationships that were that were created for the film i don't feel that they were explored sufficiently in in some respects no and that so when we talk about the directing is there are, are we digging into the writing aspect of it no, as well that's going to be under plot and writing plot and writing Great. okay <laughs> so i i think because i felt the same way too like this movie was rushed there's a lot of it that goes back it'll go to the plot and the writing but how, how much do you think of it was his direction and how much do you think it was the, the script that he was dealing with? Well, I think if he wrote enough of the script, then it's all him, right? You yeah. know, it, it, that kind of depends on how much did he actually write of it. When you look at the credits on IMDb, it says Ryan Coogler and three others. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that means. If just the, they put, his name goes on a headline of that because he's the director, so yeah. it makes more sense. But like, I don't know how much he actually wrote and contributed to. So I have to... I think in, in some respects, in my mind, he's going to gain points as a director and lose points in writing just because uh, the because of the rushed nature of some of the interactions, I think he was able to uh, create adjust the scenes and elicit enough of a performance out of the actors to be able to convey enough of the feeling of the relationship and the interactions to kind of get the gist of what you needed uh, so that you most people wouldn't have felt that something was missing uh, by the end of the movie. Yeah, because there's really little backstory for this character in Marvel land in the movies in the movies yeah. right so there is You've got... you you could have never have seen Civil War and still gotten all the pertinent information out of that that you that you needed to know what it like where they are at this place in this movie because yeah. a few key little snippets of flashbacks in there so and that scenario, we also talked about how I, I thought it was an excellent idea for them to not put anything about the soul gem in this particular movie. And I think that that is, uh, I think it's been said that he was the one that did not want that in this movie. And I think that will lead to a film that will age much better over time. Yeah, let it stand on its own. I mean, it's got to be, it's tied into the Marvel world, but on, only by a couple characters not necessarily by a whole feeling you know like it's you, there you, you don't you know it's there you don't feel like you're missing something by not having watched all of the other movies around it yeah they explained in just a few sentences why they don't like claw yeah um didn't necessarily explain why claw doesn't have a hand but that's not that important he just doesn't have one um they briefly touched on um, Martin Freeman's character enough to know that like, oh, these two have a, a 
backstory, that type of thing. So, yeah, I without it being a crazy, like you could walk into this and never have seen a Marvel movie and be good to go. I think so, yeah. Um, well, in my mind then, and at least in direction, I think, especially I'm going to give him some benefit of the doubt for a limited um, amount of, of experience. I'm going to probably give him a 10 in direction in this instance. Like I said, he'll lose some points in writing, but I like his direction. What about you? I'll do a nine as well. Scores down for the director side of things. And as we kind of are feeling it, the natural segue is to go into the writing and the plot of the of the film so um <clears throat> i kind of felt that it was good I mean, i'll that, go with, i'll go with good i mean i easily like it better than several of the other marvel movies and i'm trying to only compare it to other marvel movies and not action movies in general or any or even other comic book movies because you know kind of as we just hinted a little bit you know it's not you know blade um which was, in my mind, the first actual real big budget uh, African American led film. Oh, I love that film. Yeah, Blade's great. Um, uh, it's it's been one of my favorites, but it's not it's not a fair comparison between the two of them. Just from a combination of changes in technology for what is capable of being shown, changes in the consuming habits of the public and what they're willing to watch in terms of comic book movies changes in what stars the uh the movie houses can get to be in these movies and just uh the the whole the whole feel and scope is is so much bigger than it was before yeah wesley uh wanted to do a black panther movie yeah and he he fought for it for a while, but yeah. it just couldn't get the backing for it. And then the practicality of it wasn't that great because even the design for the suits, right? He would just been in a spandex suit with some ears on it, so he probably yeah, w- it wouldn't that have looked bad. that that great. So he fought and he had that on the table for a while with you know the Marvel family. It never worked out, so he did Blade. Well, and I and t- and to be fair. I, I really like Wesley Snipes in a lot of things. I think he would have been a terrible choice for Black Panther anyway. Just at least for the Black Panther I would have wanted to see. The Black Panther that I interpret in my head as being Black Panther. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, he could not have been better as Blade. I mean, he was fantastic as that. But that aside, uh, talking about the, uh, the writing and the plot... Of, of the movie and yeah, we kind of I kind of have this as one of the two big weighted things because it's it's in a lot of ways the the biggest part of the of the film so we got 25 points going into this because there's a lot to it what did you think about the general story as a whole um crown a new king power struggle someone shows up from the past typical stuff some a little bit of backstabbing in there you know it 
nothing too exciting. But no. I think we touched on it before. Everything escalated from you know anchorman terms quite quickly, right? <laughs> yes. um, it just it just seemed like there couldn't be any backstory. I mean, the movie itself was over. I mean, wasn't it like two hours and twenty minutes long? Yeah, it wasn't super long, but. There wasn't a lot. I mean, there was hidden elements. Mm-hmm. There was the backstory that they put in there for when they were in California. So that that was that was backstory. That was building sure. up a little bit of sure. elements of stuff. But yeah. for the current characters, there just wasn't a lot of backstory. And not that you needed it, but mm-hmm. like the Killmonger character, just I I, I feel like it just progressed like. Okay, well, okay. And then, like, it just went through everything quickly. You know what I'm saying? Didn't, didn't give you necessarily enough time to really ruminate and let it, let it sink in uh, in such a way that, that, that you could get that kind of a feeling. I mean, it, obviously the intent was there <clears throat> to have this be one of the more relatable villains that, uh, that Marvel has had. And even if it wasn't done perfectly it's still easily a better villain than most of them in any of the other films. Um, yes. And, of course, he had to die. <laughs> that that makes me want to pull my hair out every single time. I it, Everything does not have to be so cut and dried. Why do they keep doing this over and over and over again? Do they, do they just not... Is there a rule, maybe? Is is there something about some contractual <laughs> side? We don't want to have these actors in too many times. Maybe the budget would be too much to pull them back. Maybe it's something from Marvel. You just have to keep killing the villains because that's the way that we're going to force a restart of the whole universe. I mean... Do we, do we have 30 seconds to figure out the villains who have lived in the Marvel movies? Loki. Um, Abomination. Still alive. Somewhere in a jail. True. All right. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Because if you, we talk, I think we talked about this a little bit. We talked about Red Skull essentially dead from the first Captain America. You go to. Not, don't know that he's dead, but he's essentially dead. He's essentially dead. And then the second Captain America, the, the bad guys that weren't just regular, you know, bureaucrats that had been corrupted was, was Winter Soldier and he got rescued. So not dead. But not a villain anymore. Yep. Uh, and then in Civil War, there really was yeah. no villain. I mean, yeah, sure, you had uh, you had um, uh, Zemo. He wasn't really a villain, and he's not dead. But it doesn't matter because he was less of a villain and more of just a plot device. Crossbones dead. Dead. Uh, you've got. Uh, we talked about Abomination still being alive from the Hulk movie. You've got uh, Doctor Strange. Um, okay, well that's true. His his. Uh, it depends on which main villain you're talking about and what you consider to be dead. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so yeah, the extra planar, nasty, demon esque thing isn't dead. But out of the way. But more importantly, the individuals that were trying to bring about his presence into the Earth realm not dead, but they're never coming back. Yeah. And it's just as well because they were one-dimensional and unimportant. Um, in the comics, they weren't even uh, really 
they had I think they were in what two comics the, yeah, the main they were just... it's just pointless um, but you can do that in every single film I don't there really isn't anybody else that that lived yeah. or it that is going to be a continuing presence within the Marvel Universe to, to have effect on plot and be seen again yeah and that, and that, that was typical because not only did they they killed off two of the bad guys yeah. in this movie I I just I I do not I do not understand that and it's just wasteful and pointless and and don't get me wrong um the killing of claw served a very easy and utilitarian plot advancement purpose great the killing of killmonger was semi poignant I mean it's did the 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 writing of uh, his his last words and and the way that it reflects sure that was good but why did it come to that there is no reason that it should have come to that and even if you go along the lines of well it's comic books they can always come back yeah in comic books maybe but in movies not not yeah. really so likely and even if it was people that read comic books are willing to accept some really ridiculous stuff in order to get their characters back coming back from the dead is not such a big deal it happens all the time and you're even able to to put up with massive reboots of entire universes sometimes but in the movies you're not going to be able to pull that and have the audience buy into it buy into it yeah there's no there's, there won't be any buy-in in it so it's just it's just a waste um chadwick uh bosman uh you know his portrayal was uh definitely good but more specifically staying on the writing side they already had a lead up for black panther so his personality was already kind of pre-established and i think continued fine in the film and i don't think he broke character too much there was somebody that i saw that noticed that there was kind of a big u-turn in the way that he approached things between civil war and uh and black panther where he was very proactive in wanting to go after the bad guys in civil war and not so much in black panther but i actually think that was an organic growth of the character because of everything that happened in civil war first of all he it's, just lost his dad yeah it was like, like an instant instant reaction to what yeah. happened and then with everything else that went down with all the craziness, I can I can see that and I don't have any problems with it. But now, another thing I'll I'll go into on the writing, and this ties into some of the other things we talked about, is the technology for Wakanda. And maybe I'm drawn more into this than I need to, but like. Is Wakanda supposed to be able to do absolutely everything and have an invention for everything? And like, um, his sister is like basically the smartest person in the entire world because of all the inventions that she does. Plus, she's a doctor. Plus, I mean, like, it just seems to me, from a writing standpoint, like they always had a technology thing for every aspect of everything, and that was their way in and way out of things i i both had a problem with that and didn't have a problem with it part of the reason i didn't have a problem with it is just my immersion into the comics and and the way it was and one of the better um one of the better 
story explanations that's kind of given to to how Wakandans approach things and how and how the uh, Black Panther wants things to be done is the amount of training that each individual goes through in terms of learning and and every little bit there you're all intended to be kind of the best of the best and that's who he wants to be uh, the 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 leadership and 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 having major roles in Wakandan society so if they would have given any sort of an impression of that I think that would have explained away all the problems that people have from saying why do you have everything for everything it's because everybody is that smart they have invested in their society, the people in their society. That's a great idea and a great message to get across, and you don't see it in the movie at all. Yeah, I just, it's like, it's like when you see the commercials, like, oh, we've got an app for that. That's basically what they had. They, yeah. they had they had something for every need or want or thing, and it was invented by the, you know, 20-year-old girl, 18-year-old girl. It doesn't matter that she's a girl. What I'm saying is that she's young. And apparently is like the smartest person in the world. I don't know. Well, I mean, and and I I can understand probably from a timing and a flow aspect why they couldn't really introduce that because really to present it in the right way it probably would have taken at least ten minutes of the film that they just didn't have to spare. But still, it's something mentioning it I think would have been helpful. Um, I think you know talking about the Surrey character that is an important character from the comics to a certain extent. In fact, if I remember correctly, she becomes Black Panther uh, at one point. At one point, yeah. And in the cartoons, which once again is my only background of it, she is hardly even mentioned in any of these things at all until recently. Hmm. Well, that makes sense why they're doing it now because it's just for kids watching that cartoon, and I'm a kid that... It translates over. Oh, I saw that character on the cartoons. It translates over to uh, the the movie now. So that's why they're kind of putting more out on that character. I do believe. I but, think I'm okay to a certain extent. I mean, that character is one of the bright points in the movie. I think mm-hmm. the the portrayal that uh, was done. Well, I'm gonna. I need to skip the portrayals. But the mm-hmm. writing for the character, I think, was pretty good. I think it had some some instances where there were some problems in that. A lot of the things that are meant to get the attention of the viewer, the little uh, comedic phrasings. Yes, I was going to kind of go in with that. They're very time, they're very time appropriate, which means uh, in that instance it won't age well. The you know what are those? Yeah, that's funny. Now it's and and it's not. Maybe it's just me. Is it really funny now? Wasn't that funny five years ago? Like I, I don't I don't know I'm I'm old and not in touch with say, anything. I'm, I'm behind the time, so but. it probably could be completely over by now, and I wouldn't know it. But regardless, in 20 years, it will definitely have been over. Yeah, and maybe they don't care about that. They want to just get the money for the film now. But I have to believe that with the level of quality and the level of care that was put into it by the people that put it together, I have to believe that they want it to be something that's going to be able to stick around for a little longer than that and i think that yeah i i don't know I, I try to throw that out to my wife every now and again and it elicits absolutely no response so yeah. i 
once again we're old it, so it could know. it could be that it's just the the reaction that your wife gives you i get the exact same reaction and i know i'm funny but she just doesn't laugh mm. so i'm i'm putting that on her rather than me i, I find it a more convenient explanation mm. makes sense <laughs> it's it. gotta be that way um, but she was probably most of the let's call it comedic relief in the entire movie. I don't really oh, yeah. think there's much else. Was well, like, there there was some with the, the one leader of the other tribe uh, did have some. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And the whole fish out of water part for um, uh, for Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman, yeah, character. that's true. So, I mean, that that's pretty much your entire level of, of, of comedy in the film. And that's okay. It's supposed to be a serious yeah. film. You Sprinkle it in there from time to time. You need a ton, and I don't think that it detracted from that at all. But I, maybe it was me, but I felt like that those comedy things fit in better than the what are those. Yes. But maybe I'm... So, when she turned around and flipped him off, I thought that, that was fun. That was good. That was funny. That's maybe universal. Maybe I'm only going back to the what are those, and that was the only one I felt was just like, yeah. That, that's the most Maybe that was the only one, yeah. Uh, example, at the very least. Um, but the plot, you know, as you mentioned, is very simplistic. It's not like it's a brand new pop plot. And, you know, and they put their own little twists on it. And whether it be with the with the way that the characters are inserted within the plot, or whether it be in the development of the plot to try and be a little bit different, but it's still very textbook in its presentation, and nothing um, groundbreaking or even advancing of that style of a storyline, which I think is is a little disappointing because that's, again, something that Marvel has had some issues with in the variety of movies. There's, I mean, you, some, to some extent, you're not going to be able to get away from it. There are so many origin stories. People have to be introduced to the characters. But yep. as was shown with Homecoming uh, for Spider-Man, you don't necessarily have to approach it in exactly the same way. Now, that may not be a fair uh, uh, comparison just because there have already been five Spider-Man movies that have come out and everybody knows Spider-Man by now, so you didn't have to. You know the origin story. Well, you would think that everybody knows Batman's origin story also, but yes. then in Batman versus Superman, they still had to show it. Again. Again. So another another example of... Why, why DC is awful? DC, DC is really strong. Okay, I right shouldn't now. say that. I'm going to apologize. DC is not awful. First of all, I love DC comic books, and I have a great hope that DC movies will be wonderful, but have not really been overly impressed thus far with them. Yeah. Um, we got Aquaman, and we got some Shazam next year, and we'll see. I don't have high hopes for Aquaman, although Shazam could be interesting. Um We'll see. And, and Wonder Woman 2 is going to be in 2019, I think. Um, yes. I think that's true. Wonder Woman was good. Okay. So, anyway. So, so you're going to have this more generic storyline that is complemented or at least glossed over to a certain extent by a vibrant and different environment that it's set to. So, instead of being in the corporate America world or in the slums of insert city here you know or even somewhere in europe or asia where we do still have some films you don't get much of anything 
uh, even in regular films set in Africa, much less a superhero film. So that gives it a certain feel of newness and, and wonder and that. And I think if it would have been complemented better by some more uh, development of the interpersonal relationships, I think it would have been completely forgivable and it wouldn't have mattered so much because I would have been, I'm already mildly distracted by the fact of how good the film looks and the different location. And if I could then be distracted the rest of the way by character development on a familiar plot, I would not have cared that the plot is essentially the same. Yeah. Um, but as we were mentioning before, I don't think that they did a good enough job of, okay, that's not fair. I don't think they were able to give enough of uh, a historical interaction or enough of a story-related reason to care about the interactions to the, to the different characters to each other. Yep. Yep. Um, what do you think was the most successful uh, of the interpersonal relationships within the film? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, there were, all of them were so minor. Probably him and his sister. That one was good. Him and his father was, I think... Um, one of the main things for the entire... Yeah. I, I was just distracted by the lazy eye. Sorry. Yeah, that threw me off. Did he have that in Civil War? Is that new? I... I don't remember seeing that in Civil War. I'm wondering if maybe something unfortunate happened and it just something he's had to deal with but yeah i got distracted a little bit too i feel awful for saying it but yeah that's on on the positive side the dude is an awesome actor was a great actor and you know why he's an awesome actor because he was in a film with matthew broderick uh. <laughs> called master Hel harold and the boys <laughs> sorry i just had to throw that in there taking down a notch now <laughs> Hey, that well, he that didn't choose awesome. to be in it with Matthew Broderick. It just happened. He chose to be. In, he chose to be in the movie that Matthew Broderick just <laughs> also happened to be chosen for too. So, got to earn a paycheck, you know. Oh my word! Oh, anyway, so the individual development of characters. I mean, so you've got Killmonger. Killmonger was developed well. You didn't have to develop Panther all that much, but they did some good, you know, expansion on his history. Um, then you've got. Uh, uh, Nakia, which is uh, the, the love interest, sort of. I'm both Back, happy. Yeah, backstory and, love interest. Yeah, both happy and not happy about how they did that. Because, you know, one of the things that I, I remember talking to my wife about when we watched Doctor Strange is we were both ecstatic that he did not have a current love interest that he was trying to go after and pine after and the love story was shoehorned in there. It was essentially not there. And it seemed to a certain extent that they were going to do that same thing with Black Panther a little bit. But it's like they couldn't decide. Well, we're not, this isn't about the love story. But, you know, they were together before and he really likes her. Oh, but, no, this is the, no, but, you know, they might get back. He wants her to be queen. Either commit or doubt. It's a side note to it. I just didn't think it, it was enough to, to, to really give the actors meat to, to work with again, to make the, the viewer care at all about that particular relationship. Um, then you've got, uh, um, uh, Okoye. Um, 
another really nice, pleasant surprise. Um, the uh, as as the head of the guard, I, she has a very very good presence on film, which I was mildly surprised at, and partly because I haven't watched The Walking Dead, which she's she's in. But um, good strong character in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, but oh. the character for the comics, they didn't really flesh out the character too much. Like you. Okay, I know she's the head of the guards, and I know she was uh, has a love interest with the leader of one of the factions, and yeah, and that's pretty much it. She's a very, very good fighter. She's a good fighter, and normally that I think would be a big detractor in my set, but no, that was enough. Uh, with whether it was her taking the part and kind of emoting in such a way that we could see it or whether it was just the writing that, that, that lent to it that you just didn't need it. I don't think that detracted at all. Um, what did you think about Martin Freeman, the, the kind of the, the odd man out in terms of flavor of the film? Do you think it worked? Having, I, th- I having think so. I mean, he wasn't the odd man out the whole time. No, no. But... I, I think it definitely added a, a second, I don't know, let's call it feel, flair, voice, voice to what was going on at the time. It's, it's a, 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 like a third a, point to the triangle, maybe. I, I don't know. A little um, tether to the main Marvel continuity mm-hmm. to help you remember that, oh yeah, this is a Marvel movie and they are all connected and. You know, I'll watch Martin Freeman in anything. I love that dude. Um, and I think he did a good job uh, in that. But as far as the character goes, he didn't have a whole lot of development in the film. He was essentially just a plot device. He did have a little bit of comedic stuff, too, but not much. Yeah. Um, he was an accent. Let's call him the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, I think that's okay. I think I think for the most part, you're not gonna. Not everybody can have their 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 20 minutes in front of the camera and be primary. Uh, and and for what his part in the in the story was, it kind of makes sense that that he is where he is. Um, um, uh, Wakabi. Um, um, my brains. Uh, the 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 head of the. Uh, the one uh, group that ends up letting Killmonger in. I yes. thought I thought there was a nugget there that could really have been developed. The star of Get Out. Yeah, that just wasn't. I mean, obviously, you get enough to know there. Uh, T'Challa and him are friends, and he really wants Killmonger dead. And again, that's pretty much all you get. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, he, wants, he, wants, he wants Claw dead. Yeah, he wants Claw dead. Yeah. Uh, and you know, oh, oh yeah, and uh, he's interested in Okoye, or they're married, or whatever. But yeah, there's really... they're 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 friends, but they're not friends. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not really yeah. defined well. It's not explained well. No, I think that's an area where there's definitely something that was lost. Um, uh, Umbaku, um, man ape. <laughs> He didn't have a ton uh, of of stuff, but what was in there, I think, well, there was enough. 
to, to get the feel of the character and get get the interaction. I don't really have any problems with with how they handled that. Do you like how they handled the 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 tribe? And it was supposed to be like more jungle setting, and they're all supposed to be like gorilla <laughs> people. Uh, uh, but but they're they're uh, worshiping the the monkey god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> But I'm I'm sure ninety eight percent of people didn't catch that. That one. Well, let me rephrase that. Ninety eight percent of people from the United States did not catch that. As soon as it plays over in India, I'm sure they're they're all gonna just have that face palm moment where it's like, Really? What? Yeah. But little snippet there, there's a couple of Harvard grads that are acting in this movie really and he's one of them oh uh, interesting what's his, his last name duke duke yeah winston yep. duke winston duke yep and then lupita what's the other one uh nyongo i'm gonna i feel terrible i'm mispronouncing her name i know i am yeah but um uh, um but yeah so so the the uh umbaku character i think is fine um i think uh and Jabu could have been fun to expand a little bit more, but I understand for the sake of time and plot purposes, they just really couldn't do it. Yeah. Forrest um, Whitaker, right? That no, no. Forrest Whitaker was Zuri. Zuri, Zuri, okay, yeah. And um, Zuri could also have been expanded a little bit because if you've got Forrest Whitaker, freaking use him more. Jeez, oh, Pete. Um, just a little tease in there. I mean, know, he, he had some scenes. He had he some did. screen time. He did have. He had a little bit, but I guess I'm, I'm just partial. Again, I really like Forrest Whitaker too. Um, he's still in my favorite bad movie of all time. The the samurai. The yeah. The um, oh now I'm going to completely wait, wait, way of the dog or ghost warrior. Ghost dog. Ghost dog. That's what it was. Ghost yeah. dog. Way of the samurai and. God, that movie is awful, but in such a good way. And the fact that he's just—he had to have known when they made that movie that it is this is just terrible. But he's just straight acting it through the whole thing, and it completely comes around the corner and just is awesome because it's so bad. I love that film. Um, Angela Bassett is in it too as uh, Ramonda. I think uh, that's another area where there could have been a little more expansion. She had almost no part in the in the story, uh, Ramonda, until they needed to get the heck out of Dodge, and even then, not much in terms of of, of character development. Yeah. I mean, you Placeholder. get you get attitude. I mean, sure, you get kind of the presence, but the interaction between um, between her and uh, and T'Chaka, there you know there's there's something there that that could have been built on and just kind of given her even more depth and flavor as a character that I thought was just kind of missed. Uh, complete waste on Claw. We've already mentioned. I just that character was just there to get shot at. Is there for action and no real plot whatsoever, other than to be used as a piece to advance it but um andy circus of course is dope yeah and like i said 
Um, I mentioned this to you after I saw it. I was like, I felt he was the best character in the entire movie. And that might be overstating it a bit. but It's hard not to like Andy Serkis just because he's... He can, and you know, it's kind of like what I was talking about with, um, with uh, uh, the uh, Okoye um, uh, emote. You can see, you can see in the face better than most emotion and thought process, and he is able to bring that across. Whether it's he's always had that, or whether whether it was just from the million hours of being. Smeagol yeah. in the Lord of the Rings, or um, Caesar yeah. in um, Planet Planet of the Apes. Yeah, but you know he has that ability to just connect in that way, just like uh, just like um, uh, Guerrera has. So I mean, it's it makes it better. I don't know if I would call Claw my favorite character in this movie by any stretch. Yeah, that might be stretching it. I like his interpretation of the character the best out of the entire movie. Maybe we can put it that way. I also like Letitia Wright. So uh, Suri, the, the yeah, sister. Oh, she's uh, that. Those are probably what stood out to me. Those two characters yeah. of the entire movie. And of course, my last nitpicky note, and I think I mentioned this to you at one point is one of the things that's interesting to me about the Black Panther character that nobody ever thinks about is he is a genius-level intellect. I mean, not just I've been trained or I'm kind of smart. No dude is super freaking smart. And That's true, and that wasn't even... Not even touched on. Not, not, not even touched on, but not even presented. No. And I, I'm kind of disappointed about that because it's 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 really a fun facet of the character because even in the comics you don't think of a guy running around in a in a black panther suit that guy's going to be brilliant <laughs> just, so it's they never take it into account and it always bites him in the butt and it's a way that he always comes out on top because he is just so much smarter than pretty much everybody and we kind of mentioned that a little bit before about how what, what you said everybody's super smart and is raised to have that intelligence factor in yeah. there and just wasn't even cultivated so out of all of this what would you say about the the plot and the writing how out of 25 points what would you give it 17 17 that's that's pretty fair um i would say this is probably the area where i'm least favorable to it just because of everything i'd probably give it 15 um, I'm a little disappointed in the writing, but or um, or the plot, um, and, and maybe I have too high of a standard in what I was hoping for. But at the same time, it was still good. Good movie. It's yep. still good. So that brings us back around to the final category, which is the cast. And I'll I'll just start off by saying, fantastic cast. I mean, it's it's one of the best cast that i've seen in any in any film i mean i'm always hoping it was kind of like putting a a, a a pro sports team together you've got like the big names that you're trying to draft into there and they're going to be the ones that are going to garner the attention but you're trying to fill in the cracks with people that are really good that may not be quite as well known so that you'll have that ensemble that'll just kill you've got your angela bassett's and your forrest whitakers and your martin freeman's in there and then let's sprinkle in all these people that you may have heard of before and you don't know if they're good or not when actually they're really good but you you don't know right so like there's just 
a ton. Like when you look at the credits of a lot of those people, there's not a lot. No, no. Like they don't have a. I looked at Michael B. History. Jordan, and he's got a few things here and there, and Chadwick Boseman has a few things here and there. Michael, wait, wait, which, um, which Fantastic Four character was he? Hey, he was the Human Torch. Human Torch, okay. Yeah, and I do not blame him for the less than stellar movie that that was. Um, I, a lot of people were complaining unnecessarily. It's like, oh, Human Torch is black, so. It was that matter. Doesn't matter at all, and I think that he's kind of brash and arrogant, and he fit perfectly. I think that's his character. Yep, yeah, he can pull that off very well. But uh, you know, that in some instances it can matter. In some instances it won't. And uh, I think I think uh, I have not seen him in anything where I haven't liked him as an actor. So I mean, that's 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 saying something. I haven't mm-hmm. seen enough of Chadwick Boseman to really to to give an impression one way or the other, but yeah, I like him as Black Panther. Definitely, he's. I don't know if he emotes regal to me, um, because no, I get a lot of that feeling out of that, but not. Maybe that was the direction he was given too. You know, yeah. like hey, you got to this is how you got to act for this. You're, so. you're trying to be a little more, a little more down to earth, but. He definitely has a cadence and an, an approach to the character that I really like. And I think that it works really well. Yeah, he, he tends to only play important people in movies. You know, Jackie Robinson, James Brown, they're a good marshal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're, you're playing well-known people that are... Everybody uh, else, okay. Yeah. So Lupita uh, Nyong'o. I have not seen anything that she's been in before. If there was a weak link, which is a stretch with this cast to begin with, it would probably be her in my eyes. I'd buy that. Yep. Um, and it's, and I don't even know if it's even a weak link. I she didn't have a ton of camera time to begin with. Um, I mean, she was in there some, and and it could have just as easily been the writing and and. And the, the way the character, I just didn't really get anything from her. It didn't really hit me in any way and affect me. And nah, neutral. Yeah, if neutral is the worst, that's pretty awesome. That's okay. Yeah, we'll take it. Um, and then uh, Denai Guerrera as Okoye, we've already talked about. She did a phenomenal job uh, with just excellent stage presence. Uh, and uh, just uh, really owned the character. Oh, and that throws me back to one of the other reasons that I kind of ranked the the writing lower, and it could have been director. I don't know where to put this, but the fight sequences annoyed me a little bit. Uh, And I understand, I, I felt that they needed to put something in there. We've trained in all sorts of martial arts and all this other stuff, but anybody that, that, that knows a little bit about martial arts, when they watch these fights, like that's that's a variety of different fighting styles. And almost, at least, and I could be wrong with this, and I've been wrong before, and I'm going to be wrong a million times before, but I really didn't see any African fighting styles for the most part in that film. I read something about what their fighting styles were, and it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be definitely some type of martial arts. It was a mix. Uh, well, traditional ones, yeah. I should say. It was a mix of I mean, a couple I, different styles. I saw I saw uh, a little bit of uh, of um, 
not much in the terms of karate, but there was there was Wing Chun and there was, uh, um, you know, well, the way that she, for example, the way that uh, Lupita handled the spear did not remind me in any way of spear-based fighting. It reminded me of fighting with a bow staff, um, which I'm, there's some overlap but there's he, it's, it's different yeah like it was definitely non-traditional s- stuff I don't, I don't think we were looking for anything in particular in there but you know it, it it is it is what it is but i don't i don't know what african martial arts are <laughs> well, but that's there there are quite a few yeah there, there i mean there's a ton. <laughs> Every continent's got their own version of it, you know. And there's going to be overlap between different fighting styles. The only part where I really felt I, I saw a little bit was in the um, was in the uh, challenge for Kinghood. I saw a little bit there, but like how the the fight ended, that that grapple, that that was seemed to me uh, uh, jujitsu, just straight up jujitsu. Um, it just didn't. It didn't fit, and, and like I said, I could be completely wrong on this, and I'm sure that eventually, once we get this up on the air, I will be told how incredibly wrong I was on this. Well, they've they've been trained in many forms of martial arts because of their you know intelligence and combat skills. Well, and if they just said that, I'd have been okay. But anyway, they just know. I guess really. you're supposed to assume he's he's royalty. He's going to be trained in everything, but I just um, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Anyway, so. Um, the remaining cast. Uh, so, I mean, like, again, we talked about Martin Freeman. He's great in everything. Um, um, Daniel uh, Kaluuya as Wakabi. Uh, good. Good. Yeah. Uh, again, didn't I don't think he had enough screen time to really shine. I think probably a similar problem to, to Lupita. And he seemed even in the fight scenes to be a little overly reserved in, in the way he came across, but maybe that was supposed to be what it was. I don't know. And again, maybe it was just, I was getting tired by the time that the fight scenes it's came true. along and it's I just didn't see it right. But that's just how it appeared to me. Um, we talked about Letitia Wright just being fantastic in that part and both liking Winston Duke quite a bit. Um, and, you know, Winston Duke has been in quite a lot of stuff. Um, the only thing I don't understand when I was looking at some of his history, he's got uh, quite a few uh, quite a few things. He's like in Person of Interest and Modern Family and a few other things. But there's several like Winston Duke as himself. Okay. Was he a, an athlete? I know so little about sports. Maybe he's an athlete I wasn't aware of. Or uh, is he a stage actor also and that's how he's known for this i just oh uh, probably stage actor if i had to guess uh-huh. or maybe his bits and those other shows were enough to get him to be the host of other things or whatever it just, it just seemed struck me as a little odd it's like just uh, i didn't know that yeah. um let's see here sterling k brown for such little screen time as he got he really came across great. Um, just, again, talking about emoting extremely well. Um, it really kind of kind of felt for him. And I remember him from being on Supernatural. Um, uh, he, had, he, had, he had a recurring role for several episodes. And 
he was good in that too. Um, um, but you know, I thought that was pretty good. And of course, Forrest Whitaker is awesome. And Ash Angela Bassett is awesome. Uh, Andy Serkis and uh, John Connie. Now, or Kanai, Connie, Kanai. I'm not sure which, mm. but uh, he is a stage actor, um, and he's got. Even though his film repertoire isn't enormous, he's got a lot of experience, and he's he's good in, in a ton of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I could not have hoped for a better cast than what they got in there. Stan Lee had his cameo. Oh yeah, that's a given. <laughs> I I don't know if I would uh, I would even make that noteworthy. At least not. <laughs> Not until he is uh, uh, in a a position where he can't do it anymore, which if he keeps letting, uh, letting, that's that's poor wording. If he keeps having unfortunate things happen to him where people steal his money, well, he he may have to keep being in these these movies. But um, so anyway, casting, I would say that as close to perfect as you can get, I give this 23 easy. Out of twenty five points, yeah, it's weighted a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I'll go with I'll go with the twenty four. I'll, I'll put it up there. Yeah, that it was, that was really good. So, on your estimation, so let's let's do some simple math. You gave it an eighty six. So eighty six. Yeah. That that's that's uh, what is that uh, a solid B? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, for me, I've got let's see, 42, 51, 61, 84. So also, uh, a solid B. A solid B, yeah. So my wife was right. I told her coming out of the theater, I felt this is a, a good B-minus film. And uh, she goes, why don't you just give it a B? It's like, well, I felt it was a B-minus. And mm-hmm. now I've broken it down. It's like, no, I, have, I felt it was a B. It was a B, yeah. Close to a B-minus. Yeah. But that I, I think that's fair. That's for what it was and the hype machine that's behind it and the story that they're trying to convey and the, the all the different aspects from the character type and all that, the ethnicity and all that stuff. Like, I get it. It's a big movie. It's popular. It'll hit a billion dollars. Um, and it's a good movie. So, Oh, yeah. Worth watching. I'm sure I'll watch it again. And as always, I hope that I'm not overly critical of anybody to the extent that I won't get to talk to them in person at some point. So here, here's a question. So when we look at these rating things, I also look at it at another, at another aspect of it, of would you buy this movie? Uh, yes. Now it's different because your intention is to buy and own all the comic book movies. Yes, that I mean, is, that is true. And that's not necessarily my intention. So, it's it's hard for me to say like on something like I have, I don't have all of them I haven't purchased all of them I don't have any of the Thor movies although the most recent one I haven't even seen I'm probably gonna buy in a couple of days but that's that's different it's not just a Thor movie no but but like I think that's part of a rating system too like well would you rent this that's would you would you buy it to oh would you buy the Blu-ray DVD digital combo. Would you buy the digital copy of it? Well, like, I think in my mind, an A means not only would I buy it, I would watch it regularly, and you know, you've got to have that movie. And once you get into the B, I'd still buy it. I would probably watch it occasionally, 
uh, especially if I'm deciding to do a, a, a bender of all the Marvel films, I would definitely do that sort of thing. Once you get into the sea, it's more of a, I'd probably rent it, see it on Netflix like that, don't feel compelled to own it, but don't dislike it enough to, to say that I wouldn't want to watch it. Once yeah. you get into the D territory, you're into, if it's, is it on TV? Am I not doing anything else? Okay, I'll probably watch it. Probably never watch it again. And if I don't see it all, I won't be too terribly upset. And, of course, the F is the actively avoid. <laughs> yeah, so, like, that's where I'm... I'm close on this one. I don't know that I would buy it. But I don't know that I wouldn't either. It's hard to say. Stuck. Yeah, I'm somewhat obsessive-compulsive, so I have to have my entire site. <laughs> I have to all be in Blu-ray, and if one of them's in DVD, that is an abomination that must be fixed, and... <sighs> the DVD goes in the kids' room. <laughs> that is exactly right. So I think I think we did a pretty good job in in breaking this down and being at least mostly fair, as fair as anyone can be, in terms of uh, personal perspective and uh, uh, being different for everybody. But uh, hopefully, uh, you uh, uh, enjoyed our going through this movie as much as we did, and and let us know what you think. Eventually, I'm sure we're going to have comment sections uh available for these uh for these audio yeah. meetings and we'll have a few more i mean there'll be some more movies popping up here in a couple months that we're probably going to be all about watching and reviewing too so it's we're not going to watch a lot and talk about a lot and review a lot as many as you know the thousands of movies that come out every year but there'll be a handful for sure we'll keep it at a solid 0.05 percent i expect yeah <laughs> absolutely all right well thank you guys for being with us again and we'll see you next time mm-hmm.